Hi there, folks. It's getting cheaper at the petrol bowser ahead of the holidays, but will it last? I'm Aaron Young. Let's find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. And it is so great to be with you wherever you are joining us from today. Also on Ticker Today, North Korea threatens any interference with its satellite operations will be considered a declaration of war. But first... Oil prices experienced a sharp decline of more than 2% over the weekend as investors grew increasingly sceptical of the effectiveness of OPEC plus production cuts. The global benchmark Brent crude fell to $69 a barrel, marking a notable drop from its recent highs. Let's bring in Kyle Rodder now from Capital.com. Kyle, great to have you here on Ticket. Talk to us about these oil prices, the fall, obviously OPEC plus talking about cutting the number of barrels, but what's happening and what can we expect? Well, I mean, the kind of shift in the story came very much around the demand outlook going into 2024 a few months ago, of course, after the onset of the Israel-Hamas conflict, um, prices shot to around $95 per barrel in the Brent contract, and everyone was talking about 100 bucks being in sight. But, I mean, since then, we've had a sort of deterioration in economic fundamentals, especially in the United States, which is really propping up the market in terms of demand. And there were expectations that, as we saw effectively a 20% decline in oil prices, OPEC would intervene with greater production cuts to try and boost prices back to a level which is sort of consistent with where they sort of want it to be at around 85 to 90 dollars yeah. per barrel. The issue was though we had this OPEC meeting which was delayed by four days or so last week and although we got a million dollars sorry a million barrels per day taken off the market or flagged to be taken off the market there's some fairly considerable concerns that some players uh, Angola being one of them but also a few other African nations uh, may not participate and that compliance will be reasonably low with these production cuts so again it's raising these fears that there may be a looming oversupply in the market at the start of next year which as far as equity investors are concerned not great for energy stocks uh, but it's also putting downward pressure on global energy prices, which is both good for just individuals at the the petrol pump, but also obviously global inflation pressures. Well, let's talk to us about the inflation issue, because that is the one that has been the story of the year so far. And the idea that petrol prices may be cheaper obviously will lead to that, which will, uh, I guess, take the pressure off reserve banks around the world. Yeah, and that's uh, largely the expectation that, um, again, mostly because of these sort of um, demand signals suggesting that we might be getting a much uh, more rapid slowdown, so to speak, in economic activity and subsequently, uh, you know, continued downward trend in inflation indicators or indices across the globe is that it's opening up the prospects for even rate cuts next year. And November, at least on Wall Street in Australia, the ASX was a little bit different, but at least on Wall Street, November had one of its, uh, sorry, the market had one of its best Novembers on record. And a lot of this was on expectations that not only are interest rate cuts, uh, sorry, hikes uh, finished, that we've seen the peak in the interest rate hiking cycle, that interest rate cuts could come next year. And sort of the latest episode was a speech given by Jay Powell on Friday night, which although he didn't push back on the notion, uh, although he did push back on the notion of cuts next year, the markets had interpreted his uh, comments as being dovish and therefore pricing in that we could see a 50-50 chance of a rate cut uh, come March next year, um, which again is all about you know expectations of much weaker growth and subsequently lower inflation. So that's really bo- boosting equity prices. It does send an ominous signal about the risks of recession next year, especially in the United States and therefore across the globe. But if we're talking about you know just in terms of drivers in the short term that are boosting global equity prices, Prices, it is this expectation that at least uh, for now, the rate hiking cycle, the rate hikes uh, are finished with. That is the good news. But what would it take, do you think, if we started to see a, a dramatic cut in rates from the Fed next year? What would we need to see from the economy? Essentially a huge slowdown, right? 
Well, that's the the, the, uh, the the whole point. And this is sort of what's got a lot of investors scratching their head as to how you sort of square that circle, so to speak, that you've got asset prices moving higher, which at the, but at the same time, rate cuts are being priced in, which would indicate that uh, the global economy, or at least the US economy, which would affect the global economy, is going to slow significantly. So one uh, rebuttal to that is that effectively the, the, the US Federal Reserve will focus on real rates, which is effectively looking at the rate of um, uh, interest rates where they are um, with uh, minusing nominal interest rates, so the ones that you sort of see um, adjusted from, from central banks with subtracting inflation, uh, which you know is effectively to say that as inflation falls, they'll try to keep uh, interest rates cut uh, progressively in line with that fall in inflation. And that's why we can expect what's a so-called soft landing ne- in, in the economy next year. But overall, I mean, we do seem to have a lot of positivity baked in, in terms of profits next year for US companies, very strong economic growth effectively being baked in. Um, these rate cuts aren't consistent with that outlook. So although markets are rising on expectations of higher, uh, of lower interest rates, uh, it doesn't seem to be reflected yet, that slowdown in company earnings, which will eventually have to come and maybe not be good for equity prices. That's the US. Let's talk about what's happening in Australia. The Reserve Bank obviously watching closely what happens in the United States, but also there's some concern from one of the, the chiefs of the big four banks in Australia that actually because of in-baked government spending in Australia, we will be seeing these rates stay high for quite some time. And yeah, that's one reason why uh, folks who suggest that we won't see such aggressive rate uh, cuts next year is saying that, well, the kind of um, politics and um, approach to economic policy from governments has changed significantly. Um, deficit spending is still fairly significant. We still have um, governments running up really big budget deficits or heavily in debt, which is also re- effectively say that, you know, the fiscal side of the equation might be fairly stimulatory. And if nothing else, all this debt hitting global markets will keep um, upward pressure on interest rates because of the supply of government debt effectively puts downward pressure on, on um, bond prices, which pushes interest rates up. So given that there's a lot out a lot of folks out there saying that, yes, although monetary policy may be uh, no longer required to slow inflation down, uh, the path forward might see inflation come down at a much slower rate, again, because of some of the influence of fiscal policy, not just in Australia, of course, but it, perhaps even uh, to a greater extent in the uh, in the United States. So, um, again, it's all to say that there's a significant amount of uncertainty about the rate path going forward into 2024 as we wrap up the end of, of course, what's been a 2023 um, sort of defined by very, very aggressive rate hikes. All right, Kyle Rodder from Capital.com. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for dropping by. Thank you so much. North Korea has declared any interference with its satellite operations will be considered a provocative act tenement to a declaration of war. The announcement comes amid escalating tensions in the region and raises concerns about the potential consequences of satellite-related disputes. The North Korean government making the statement through state-run media. In their announcement, they emphasise the importance of their satellite programs for peaceful purposes such as weather monitoring and communications as neighbouring countries closely monitor North Korea's satellite activity concerns now mounting about the possibility of unintentional conflict arising from misunderstandings or a technical glitch. The media and entertainment landscape constantly changing with new players taking on the old. But what about the implications for news and entertainment for liberal democracy, as well as the rest of the world? Joining us now is Professor Tim Harcourt, host of The Great Transformation right here on Ticker. Always great to see you, Tim. um, Talk to us about how we get our news, how we'll be getting it in the future, and just the huge change that we're witnessing at the moment in the whole entertainment industry. Well, it was extraordinary, Aaron, uh, on the great transformation tomorrow, I speak to Andrew Stewart from 
Baker McKenzie. It was meant to be about the future of media, but I think by the time we'd finished the interview, um, all the changes we said would happen in the future had probably happened, Aaron. Um, <laughs> as, as you know, things are moving very fast and there's been somewhat of a balkanisation of media and entertainment. And the fact that um, uh, the ticker phenomena itself, the fact that I can sit here in in, in uh, Sydney talking to you in Melbourne and you've got studios in New York and the news is travelling all over the world instantaneously, you know, via streaming is uh, is extraordinary in the sense that the old TV networks used to have news all to themselves, not anymore. Yeah, technology is certainly driving this. I was visiting a friend over the weekend who leases out production equipment from the 1950s and 60s and 70s for all these TV shows about TV shows set during that era. And I'm staring at these huge grey boxes with tapes spooling and everything that would go wrong. And he'd say, oh, there's a bit of a jam and shove his finger in and hope for the best that it would come back to good. And then remembering, you know, that Kemp Brockman were having technical issues that would play on the screen quite often. Um, what has happened is a democracy democratization of the entire industry. It's no longer about owning a satellite or having a tower on, on a hill uh, that determines whether or not you can be a broadcaster. Anybody can be these days. Now that, that's right, uh, Aaron. Um, I, I, I actually, I'm probably old enough to remember that those times that you speak of. And <laughs> I've noticed just in different country, countries, I mean, I've produced TV in Latin America and in Myanmar and in, in China, for instance, and you'll have a a crew of 20, uh, I don't know whether all were working for the TV network, but you have a crew of 20, uh, but when you come back to Australia or, you, or the US, uh, uh, it's usually just you and me uh, and some, and some you know, uh, sophisticated technology. And that, uh, that just reduces the barriers for entry remarkably. And I think it also allows people to tailor their news and their entertainment accordingly, which sort of breaks the oligopoly that the TV networks had over us in indeed the newspapers. The interesting thing would be whether or not governments essentially try to sustain it. So you'd be aware of the changes uh, made or in fact, lack of changes made over the past few weeks by the federal government in Australia when it comes to things like the anti-siphoning list or uh, making sure that local TV networks uh, have their, their icons, have their apps higher on TVs. That's been somewhat of a war the government sticking with the traditional networks there. Do you think that that will be the thing that perhaps prevents Australia from moving on from what has been traditional compared to what we're seeing in the United States, where you look at NBC and its entire network share is the equivalent of nine go at 1.2% in the Australian market? Yeah, that's no, extraordinary, Aaron. I mean, uh, I remember Paul Keating having these huge fights with media bosses over the uh, you know, the king of the screen or the queen of the screen or the prince the, the prince of print, you know, whether uh, Fairfax could own this or News could own that and uh, Channel 9 could own this. And, you know, that, that all seems to be quite irrelevant now because you do have streaming and you do have online platforms. And in a way, uh, the technology and the, you know, the, the, the business model moves faster than what the government can do to regulate. And then it, you get into things like, government deciding what misinformation is, uh, in a sense, deciding uh, yeah. for us, uh, you know, what's factual, what's information, when you and I know that when you look at the uh, comp compilation of factual information, a lot of assumptions are made, uh, as in, you know, in, in economics and political science, you make assumptions before you collect data. So how the government can decide for you and I what misinformation is, uh, is actually uh, quite, quite extraordinary. And I think that's 
tied up with a lot of the views of uh, ownership in terms of news and also entertainment for that matter. And just quickly, sports clubs and leagues, do you think that they'll be able to provide their own content? Well, yeah, Manchester United and Liverpool already are. Um, we see the AFL breaking its own news with its own journalists on its website, the NRL doing the same. So I think in some ways, yeah, the big clubs, uh, the big sports organisations in the world, they're, they're trying to uh, cut out the sports journalist middle, middle yeah. person and, yeah. and run it themselves and speak to their fans. That's yeah. a, a big development. All right. And of course, a reminder, you can watch The Great Transformation here on Ticker on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. That is Tuesdays right here on Ticker. Tim, thanks so much for your time. All right. More Ticker right after this. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes. 